Hey, good morning again. Um, you guys actually get a treat today. Um, I'm the campus pastor here, but our senior pastor, Scott Moore, is going to be preaching today. Um, yeah, hey, not too much excitement. Calm that down. Calm it down. Um, but if you guys would, please stand with me for the reading of the word. Um, I am going to read the scripture for us today uh, from Romans 15, verses 1 through 7. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord, Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, sir. Hey, uh, East Ridge, it is good to be here. I have to say this, um, a lot of times I'm not well. I'm never here at first service. Let's just be honest with one another, all right? Uh, we come to second service every other week or so and uh, sit in the back. And I tell you what, I'm going to say this. I've told you this before. You have a phenomenal pastor in Kurt Petersham. You really do. And if, if you missed, uh, he did a sermon. If you missed any of the sermons, go back and watch them. But he did one where he preached through Romans chapter 1 through 8. And I'm sitting back there in the back. Oh, man, this is going to be tough. One of the best messages I ever heard, and I encourage, I, I, go, I refer back to it a lot. So anyway, I'm glad to be preaching here. Accept one another just as Christ Jesus has accepted you. Uh, having been the senior pastor here for many, many, many years, um, I've seen people come, and I've seen people go, and I've heard of different reasons people have left the church, a lot of good reasons to leave a church, you know. Uh, but this person hadn't been here too long, and uh, they their reason for leaving was... They wanted to be around a higher class of Christian. They were talking about second service, okay? <laughs> and so, and so when you hear a comment like that, and then you hear this scripture, except, well, I mean, obviously, obviously those two don't, don't mesh. But there's a bigger question, too, and it is this. How do we respond when someone says something like that, or they have a different belief about what church should look like, or they have a different conviction about theology, how do we respond to that? And, and we're going to get into that in just a minute. But the overall point of this message is this, when, when the gospel saves us, Man, it impacts others around us. Now, I know we're not perfect and we have bad days and maybe even a bad season. But generally, when the gospel saves us, it impacts others around us. Think back to when you got saved. Man, think back to when you realized that there was forgiveness of sin and you could be made right with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Do you remember that feeling? Man, I, I remember, I was like, oh my gosh, everybody's got to know this. I'm 20 years old, and, and my pastor had been my friend, and, and even uh, we had coached tennis together before he was my pastor. Man, when he shared the gospel with me, for whatever reason it took, and I, mean, I had to have, I mean, people needed to know. I was working for Coca-Cola at the time, and man, these, these guys I was working with, I wanted them to, to know about Jesus. One night, he said, hey, I want you to go calling with me. 
Hey, there's, we're going, I'm going to a house and there's some teenagers there and I, I want you to share with them. Man, I went and got my khakis on, my blazer. It was the 80s. I got my 80s knit tie on, you know, the square on the edge. And I showed up at his house and he's in khakis and a golf shirt, you know. And uh, obviously I've come a long way from the blazer and khakis. But, um, but I just wanted people to know this. And I wanted them to be impacted by the gospel the way the gospel impacted me. So my goal for today is to really just walk through Romans chapter 15. And we're actually going to walk through it backwards. We're going to do the, the last third, then the second third, then we'll end with the first third of the chapter. And then at the very end of it, I want us to deal with something that I think is crippling the church. Not just the East Ridge, I don't think it's crippling, but the church in general. An attitude. Because listen, it is the gospel of Jesus Christ only that saves. And we've let, if we let anything get in the way with that, man, we're not a church. We're just a gathering of people. All right? So let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for what he's done in my life. Lord, I, I'm sitting in a room, Father, and I'm seeing so many faces of people that have tasted and seen that you're good. And Father, they have accepted your son, Jesus. And Lord, they've impacted me and my family even. But Lord, now I pray, God, through the preaching of your word. Lord, I know it's active and I know it's sharper than a double-edged sword. Lord, I know that it's not going to return void. And so, Lord, I just pray now, may that perfect will be done. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Hey, three different ways. All right. The gospel impacts others through our generosity. L listen to what Paul is saying here. He says, I, I, he's talking to the church here. He says, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped. Yeah, I, you know, I, I need to be helped on my journey there by you once I've enjoyed your company for a while. At present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem. Listen to what he's doing. He's bringing aid to the saints. He's taking money from one church to, to another church. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. This wealthier church, which we're going to find out is a, a Gentile church. Listen, who owes their faith to the Jews because it came first to the Jews and, and then the Gentiles. They're making this contribution to the poor saints at Jerusalem. And it says this, for they were pleased to do it. And indeed, they owe it to them. But salvation came from the Jews. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. Man, one church who has means, that actually owes uh, their heritage, their spiritual heritage, is now giving materially to the church in Jerusalem. I had the opportunity to, to preach in India. I don't know how many years ago it was. And man, we showed up. And we're in this building that probably would have been a little bit longer than this section right here. And they, they, I wish I could have found the picture. I couldn't. They put so many, uh, I think they call them lays, the flowers. I don't travel much. I go to India. That's about it. And so they, they, they put that, and I had so many on me, but I'm preaching in a building that Eastridge paid for. I mean, these people would not have had a place to worship if it had not been for the generosity of this church. 
And you, do you know how grateful they were to, to me and, and Greg Miller who, who went with me? But actually what they were showing was their gratitude because you who had plenty, man, provided for those who had none. And it was an amazing experience. That's not, and you know what? You've not only done it, done it for across the seas, you, you've done it for across the county. Yeah, we, this church planted the South Campus, which is meeting right now, two services, really outgrowing their, their facility. And I'm going to tell you what's happening there. I'm going to tell you on a personal level. Yeah, we live in Jasper County. We live just inside Jasper County. And so my two youngest sons go to Jasper County. We're going through uh, the special needs class and we're going through the orientation. And I meet the PE teacher there. And now we're in a group of meeting and he finds out I'm the pastor at Eastridge. He said, hey, wait a second. You need to know. So in front of his friends, his colleagues, he says, hey, I got baptized there. I got baptized at Eastridge. And man, I'm like, wow. The gospel saved him. And man, as he's impacting others. This church that had plenty helped plant another church. And if that's not enough, this past week, I meet Cage's guidance counselor. We're walking down the hallway. And, and if you know Cage, everybody at that school knows Cage. And so we're, we're walking through there. And um, he said, hey, I'm Mr. Kissel. I'm his guidance counselor. And I said, hey, he goes, hey, I'm joining the South Campus this week. Because of your generosity, the gospel impacted you. The gospel saved you and it's impacting other people around the world and across the county. Now, I know what the next line of my notes is. I don't have much to say here. And so I'm going to move on to the next point. Because you're so generous, I really don't need to say anything else to you. Other than this, know the fruit of your generosity is making an impact around the world. Second thing is this. The gospel impacts others and I want to be very careful in this wording through his calling on our lives. Not through our calling, not through just our desires, but the gospel makes an impact on his calling on your life and, and on my life. You see, I want you, first thing I want you to see in this is that God's always had a plan to reach the Gentiles. God's always had a plan that, that would include every people group on the face of the earth. And so Paul's going to recount this, especially for the, as he's talking about the Gentiles here. And he says this, For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might one day glorify God. That's you and I. We raised our hands in worship today because of these promises that were made. As it is written, therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again, it said, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come. Even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. Not just the Jews, but also every non-Jew. And then he says, may the God of hope 
fill you all with joy and peace and believing. So by that by, by the power of the Holy Spirit that you may abound in hope. Man, I, I want you this morning to abound in hope. And some of you may be on this deficit of hope. Listen, right now, I pray for you these same words. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may also abound in hope. Paul's recounting God's forever plan of reaching every people group on the face of the earth. Now what I want you to do is I want you to listen. I want you to see his passion about this, his passion for God's calling on his life to impact others with the gospel. Now listen to these words. But on some points I've written to you very boldly by way of reminder, and I'm sure Kurt has walked through all of these. But because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable. Listen to this, that they may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit in Christ Jesus. Then, Now listen to what he says. Then I have a reason, he says, I have a reason to be proud of my work. For I will not venture to speak of anything except, now listen to what he says, what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and, and deed, by the power of signs and, and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God. So that from Jerusalem and all the way to Illyrium, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel. Now, listen to his words. I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ, and thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel. Not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. Hear Paul's passion about this gospel that saved him and this impact he wants to have it on others. Think about your life. Man, let this word of God right now be a mirror. Man, let us be changed by this. Man, wouldn't it be great one day if every single one of us in this room, we could say this, man, I am proud. Man, I am proud of my work for God. I, I am proud of what Christ has accomplished through me. I have fulfilled. Man, one day to come to the end, it says, hey, I have fulfilled the, the ministry of Christ given to me. I have made it my ambition I have made the gospel my ambition. I have made this calling of God my ambition. Ambition. There's a lot of things that fight to have that word associated with it in our life. And in order for that to be our ambition, then many of us will probably need to repent of worldly ambition. 
and taking the things of this world and putting it before the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because let's be honest, it's so tempting. I've done it. And I know I'm not alone in this room. And if we admit, listen, if we admit this, and I have wanted this, many in this room, you know what we want? We want the good life. Man, we want the good life. We want the, the good job and, and, the, and the, the good benefits and, and, the, and the good relationships and, and the good family and, you know, and, and the good season. And, and, and then we want a, a good retirement. And then we just want to die a painless death and wake up in a good heaven. Am I the only one that's thought that? All that is is a Christianized American dream. That's all that is. And anything that puts itself before the gospel of Jesus Christ is an idol. And listen, it is so easy to worship that good life. And all of a sudden, before we know it, hey, we go to church on Sundays, we serve in a ministry, maybe are in a growth group, maybe go to celebrate recovery. But yet what we really want is the American dream. And what we really want is retirement. And what we really want is stuff and, and more stuff. And what we really want is, is an idol. Now, is having stuff wrong? No. Man, is retirement wrong? No. Is money wrong? No. Man, the, because of your ability to, to, to increase wealth, you have blessed and spread the gospel around the world. But it's only wrong when it becomes our God. It's only wrong when it becomes our idol. And so many people live lives or they've not heard the gospel, or they've not been discipled because our ambition has been misplaced. Reject the good life. Church, hear me. Reject the good life. Hey, reject the good life, man, and pursue God's calling on your life. Listen, I want to tell you this. God has a ministry lined up for you. I believe that not just for Paul, not just for pastors, not just for elders, not, not just for the mature Christians. I'm telling you, God has a ministry lined up for you. He says it in Ephesians 2.10. He says, we're God's masterpiece. We're, we're created in Christ Jesus to, to do good things. He planned for us long ago. So listen, if I know that the God of the universe, the one that saved me, man, if he has plans for me, Good works for me that's going to impact others. Man, make that your pursuit. Man, make that your ambition. Don't rest until one day you can say, I have fulfilled the good works God has planned for me. Man, reject that good life. Pursue God's life for you. Pursue that. Now, he may not cause you to go around the world, but he may cause you to go across the street. He may not cause you to, to maybe not go across the street, but he may cause you to go across the office or, or across the dinner table. Man, and pursue that life. Now, the next question is, well, how do I do that? 
Surrender daily to his will. Man, I have to do it every day. I, you know what? I think people think pastors wake up in a good mood. I, I don't. And I wake up pretty selfish and, um, and, you know, praise God for coffee. It's not an idol. And, um, but, but, I, but I, I, I get a habit. I grab my journal, I grab my Bible, and I meet with Jesus. And he changes my heart. And I surrender to his will. Not my will, but your will be done. Right? Calls me to know the way in which I should walk. For I lift up my soul to you. And the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. I want to seek you first and foremost. Surrender to his will daily. And you know what? You'll be right in the middle of his will. Before you know it, you'll be doing the good works that he had planned long ago for you to know. Psalm 32, 8. Love this promise. Man, memorize this scripture. If you, I'm not going to say if you have time. You have time. Memorize this scripture. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye, he says. Be so close to Jesus. You know when he turns his head. And be so in his word that you know his character, you, you know his heart, you know his will. And at any given moment, in any given circumstances, you know when he's led you by the leading of his eye. And what he shows you will be to the benefit of those around you. You'll enjoy it, I guarantee you but it'll be to the benefit of those around you. Man, when the gospel saves you, it impacts others through your generosity. It impacts others through your calling. But it also impacts others through your acceptance of others. I want to find a church that has a higher class of people. And I told Tracy, listen, you can't talk like that. You know, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> She comes to second service. So. <laughs> we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Now, obviously, that wasn't a mature Christian. And maybe you've not heard that statement, but you've heard other statements from a, from a young Christian. And here he's not talking about sins. He's talking about these convictions that younger Christians have. And I used to be jealous of, of people new in their faith because their passion is just unbelievable. But also just wrong. <laughs> you know, a lot of times they can be, I used listen, I believe there was only one way to share the gospel. And, and that was with a coat and tie and the biggest Bible you can find and khakis and no smile. I don't know why. Grew up in the 80s, you know. Bear with them, he says. Don't argue with them. Bear with them. They may passionately think differently about you. Some people believe this. If you don't think the way they do politically, you're not saved. That's just not true. <laughs> You know what? Don't argue with them. Bear with them. Younger Christians, again, can be extremely passionate, which is awesome, but yet it's naive 
encourage them and build them up, bear with them and continue to love them and surround yourself with them. Why? He says this, let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself. Do you know what Christ has to put up with, with this guy? Seriously, I mean, think about yourselves even. Do you know what he puts up with? Do you know what he has to endure with me? The reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me, he says. Well, how do we do that? Because it's hard sometimes. We stay in the word. Listen to what he says next. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. That through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. And here's the goal. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another. Harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus. That together, listen, this is what the will of God is right now for the church. That together, that you may with one voice glorify the God and the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he ends this section with this verse. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Welcome one another. Now, you know what? Every single one of us at some point walked in this room for the very first time. And you know what? You were received. No one walked up and you said, you know what? Hmm, we're looking for a higher class Christian. You know, no, no one did that. But were you welcomed? Those are two different words. Were you accepted? Because everyone's asking the question when they walk in the door, do they welcome me? Do I belong here? Do I belong in this church? Do, or they, they visit your small group or they visit Celebrate Recovery. Hey, do I belong here? And here's what's scary about that. In order to be truly accepted, you have to be truly known. Because we're only accepted at the level that we're known. We're only loved, really, at the level that we're known. And so then the question becomes this. If they really knew me, would they welcome me? If they knew what I've done, if they knew what I've watched, if they knew what I drank, if they knew, would they welcome me? And I'll tell you like I tell those on Thursday nights. You know what? Hey, you know what? You belong here. And you go, Scott, you, you don't know what I've done. I'm going to say, you know what? I guarantee you there's somebody in here that's think it, done it, watched it, drank it, and smoked it. And I guarantee you that is true this morning. But you know what's true too? They have found freedom and forgiveness in Jesus Christ. So I don't know what you're afraid of. And listen, let's be honest. This is not the room to stand up and start sharing it, right? <laughs> but in the church, there's a place for that. In the church, there's safety. With your growth group leader at Celebrate Recovery, one of the safest places I've ever seen in my life. But there is, you belong here because somebody else has thought it, watched it, drank it, and smoked it. So 
keep coming back. When the gospel saves us, man, it impacts those around us. And so one of the greatest, and I chose these words carefully, one of the greatest demonic strongholds in the church is individualism. It's about me. It's about my comfort. It's about my desires. It's about my gifts. It's about my will. It's about my plans. It's about my family. It's about my style of music. It's about my style of preaching. It's about me. And you know what? Our individual preferences and our comfort, man, supersede sometimes God's will. It's about me. Proverbs 4, 26 and 27. I, I know it. I'll, I'll read it because I know it from a different translation. In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence. That sounds like a contradiction, doesn't it? In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence and his children will have a, 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 a refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that, that saves one or turns one away from the snares of death. When you fear the Lord, when you say, Lord, I want what you want above all things. I want your counsel. I want your word. I want your direction. I want your leading. I want your guidance. I, I want your will done above all else on, on all these matters in my life. I seek to seek you and your counsel and I surrender to your will. You know what it says? That person has strong confidence. And then it says that person will be rescued from the snares of death. And you know what? Not just them, but those around them. Instead of bowing down to comfort, and if you would listen to me, I know the band's coming up. Instead of bowing down to comfort, instead of bowing down to the fear of others and what they may think, instead of bowing down to seeking the flesh over his will, you seek the first, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And when you sin, because you will, you're quick to confess and, and repent. So, so here we are at the end of this message and we've been presented with the word of God. Maybe now it's, it's time for you to let the gospel impact you like it did that first day. Because when the gospel saves us, it impacts others, but it first impacts us. So the band's going to lead us in, in song. I want to invite you, if you feel led, me, come up here, man. Return to that joy of your salvation. Man, make him supreme in your life. Or maybe if you've never trusted Jesus Christ before, we'd love to talk with you. Please stand.